What can you do to improve your writing and build your network as a part of it? As a creative and professional writer, my time post-college graduation was just that. Difficult to keep an upward learning curve that honed my craft and connected me with others in the field. So today, join me on a quest to connect writers to the experiences they need with top authors, editors, and publishers ready to share their methods for success. Become a part of a new elevated selection for publishers and debunk the myth that while writing is a solo act, being a writer is not always solitary. Am I right? Hey there, Word Wizards! I am so excited about today's guest, Lillian Horde from, you know, Clear East from where I'm at in the Western United States. So I'm super excited that she took the time out of her schedule and braved the super, super dark times in Norway to come talk to us about her book and writing. Um, so without further ado, thank you for coming on, Lillian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yes, very I'm, excited I'm, to be here. So am I. I'm both excited. Um, I'm going to read her bio, as usual, to give you a little bit about the background of her, and then she's going to introduce herself a, a little bit. But here is some information about Hailing from the cold north of Norway, she spends her summers glaring at the midnight sun, and the winter is freezing her backside off. She writes, manages her health, and entertains a very spoiled cat, who I had the pleasure of meeting earlier off-air. <laughs> With a bachelor's degree as a biomedical laboratory scientist with obscure game developing classes under the belt and a hobby artist on the side, she makes the most of her days when she's not battling chronic illness, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And so she has what's more known as chronic fatigue syndrome, right? Or yeah, kind of chronic well, fatigue. Well, it's more um, correct to call it myalgic encephalomyelitis, like okay. on the, from a medical standpoint, but yes. Yes. I... And, I saw the medical term, but I did not dare brave trying to pronounce it. But it, it's a difficult, I know people who have this, um, it's just really difficult to keep to a schedule because your body is constantly fighting you with that fatigue. And so she's an inspiration because the creative mind doesn't stop, even if your body is trying to push against you. And here she is, and she's lovely and ready to talk about her books. So do you want to introduce yourself a little beyond that? Maybe talk about your your uh, manuscripts and, and such? Ah, uh, talk about myself. Oh, because I'm such an interesting person. Um, <laughs> uh, not very much. I'm a, I'm a true introvert, like writer introvert, stuck at home all day and battling my condition all the time and managing my health as I uh, balance it out with write uh, hobby writing and uh, reading books uh, i live a fairly quiet life and up here now that it's getting so dark out i get to enjoy uh, the aurora borealis and oh, the moonlight and i live in this wow. beautiful valley where i just i just have the nicest view so i got wow, no that... complaints about that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fairy tale almost fairy tale setting beautiful and I don't think that you're the only person who's listening to the podcast who is an introvert and likes to stay home and write. I think that's why we're all here looking, I mean, listening to a podcast. It is also <laughs> cheaper. You're right, especially today. In this, today's world, it is a lot cheaper. Uh, <laughs> so, we, I mean, we kind of touched a little bit on this off air, but I wanted to ask you, um, you kind of mentioned that, so she, you include a lot about um, mental health in your narratives. And kind of overcoming that, but you also talk about how you read as an escape. So I wanted to know, do you write more for the escapists out there? Do you write to bring issues to attention, to educate about culture? Is it like a mashup of all those things? What what inspires you to write? Well, 
For me, writing started out as an escape from the woes of being a teenager. When I finally got my hands on the computer and got access to the internet, like this, this was way back in the MSN and MySpace days, and mm. the internet was slow as hell. But I discovered the glorious, the the, the glorious website that was fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one for for the good and the bad. Uh, I'd always been reading whatever I could get my hands on, which was fairly limited. Uh, being way out in the countryside, I had access to nothing. However, internet, I had access to a lot of things, even back then. And it was very interesting to see all the different versions of the stories that I was so familiar with. And that sort of inspired me to make my own stories and my own original characters and my own twists and what-if scenarios. Like, explore the characters more in different settings even though I wasn't, at the time, very good at making my own. But I also used stories, which came a little later, to dive deeper into the human psyche, like which is um, like why people do the things they do, how they differ, why. And not that there is knowing any terminology or anything like that, but people mm. fascinate me on a psychological level. Mm. And I, w- I wanted to know more. I wanted to know myself more. And so I would write all these stories that would just explore the different stages of my life, but through other characters. Mm. So, and then it just started morphing into the stories that I wanted to read. So as mentioned earlier, I have a lot of health issues. So intricate books take me a lot of time to get through and I wanted to make something that anyone could pick up and enjoy that Mm. was easy to digest easily accessible and didn't make you think too hard about the characters like all all that kind of stuff something that was easy because it's also from uh, a standpoint where I come from so now I write because it's fun and it's something I can I feel like I can do despite my health issues Well, and that's amazing, too. There's kind of a progression there. I think a lot of people start out writing because they just want to explore, you know, the topics in their life and and kind of come to know the world a little bit better and maybe share some of that with other people. And I like how you made that kind of transition into, well, this is something that I can do despite my my health issues and it brings me fulfillment. And I mean, you're sharing it with the world. We're talking across oceans right now and that's amazing. So I'm glad that you that you pursued that and, and moved forward with it. That's amazing. And with the mental health in your narratives, can we talk a little bit about, about how you do it, how you, how you put in your characters with um, health issues and how essentially it's it's more like it's not the issue. That's not what they're trying to solve in the plot, right? It's more that they're pushing through it and solving the real problem at hand, which I think is really valuable and teaches a really good lesson. Um, so how do you keep that balance with trying to, you know, I mean, keep the attention, keep the plot moving forward, but also kind of teaching about mental health or or physical health? It, when I write, it's not something I'm consciously aware of. But the more I plan things out, even though I'm a, more of a pantser than a plotter, mm-hmm. uh, the more I see that mental health, especially characters who struggle with something directly or indirectly related to the story, don't always find the easy way out when they're challenged and will often 
complicated solution by being too emotionally involved or distant or just completely shut down. And which it does make the story more interesting, in my opinion. Uh, these challenges that they are that they overcome or are what make or break a character. Like if they're in the right mindset, in a place to learn and heal from what ails them. Like while I see this in a lot of the books I read, I feel like it's it's never taken far enough. Like people are hardwired to react a certain way in set situations, and breaking the cycle isn't as easily easily done in fiction mm. as in real life. And I wanted characters who struggle with something throughout the entire book, and but rather we seeing the direct consequence of that through being told in text what she struggles with. It revolves around their decision making and how they interact with each other. Uh, so instead of getting like this big relief, I have it like let go little by little or challenge a little more and a little more and a little more. Like you slowly expand your bubble by pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And I, I do think that, that mental health and literature has become a little more accepted in the past few years. But I I love what you're doing with it because I think it, it should be a regular thing that people read about that they know that they're dealing with. I think more and more people have physical and mental health issues that they struggle with. And um, so I think that's really interesting that you make that balance there. And I wanted to ask, is there ever a time in your writing that your characters have, because their mindset is unique, have they used their unique mindset to solve a problem maybe in a way that another character wouldn't? Mm. So my character, she is indirectly challenged in wanting answers for herself. As mm. she's, um, she prior, 15 years prior to the story, she loses her father. And that leads to her disassociating from people and not wanting close bonds. Like the fear of loss is preventing her from creating deeper connections. And it's also preventing her from seeking answers for herself. And here she is confronted with another character who's basically dragging her to the place where she lost her father. And like, if you don't find this lost worship for me, then I'm going to make it hell for you. And yet she's not directly confronted with that until she is inside the place where she lost everything and is lost and alone. She's vulnerable. And so she has to really pull her skill set together of her, um, of her experiences as a captain sailing uh, like sailing the gray veil this foggy hellscape where no one escapes from mm. and have to keep her crew from disintegrating re uh, like reclaiming ship and she is just a perfect person for that job and all the while she's also thinking of this is the place where i lost my father this mm. is a place where tons of other people have disappeared and never returned from like i need to save people and she's also confronted with the fact that she has the chance to expand on uh, that fear of loss. Because personal growth is rarely a mode of just jumping into things and you get this big aha moment. You need to do it <laughs> over and over and over again. And yes, it's the bravery. Yes. Yeah, it's the bravery that forces the change in you. And the brain takes a long time to adapt to changes like that. Mm. So I didn't expand... Uh, a lot of it in this first book that comes more later. 
but it's set. But you like, did the, mention, the stage is set. Yes, yes. And you did mention she's the perfect person for the job, right? And part of yeah, her, yeah. her mindset is what makes her perfect to maybe solve this issue. And I won't give anything further away because everyone needs to. <laughs> it's it is a cool thing that you're doing and i i definitely i am excited to continue to read it and it's exciting so for all of you that are listening definitely look in the show notes make sure that you're catching up with her because she's got a lot more coming out uh we're gonna switch over switch lanes a little bit here and i want to ask what we usually ask on the show which is if there is a tendency or a trait in yourself that you either learned or had inherently that you feel like contributed to your success as an author calling it success is it makes it so much more formal when i when i usually just sit there in pjs and write on the computer makeup stuff while drinking caffeine (laughs) but uh i i actually love doing it and i love the work ethics that come into writing and editing a book and listening to people's feedback and Yes, doing podcasts and written interviews and all that stuff. And resilience is probably the only reason I managed to get my book out there and I've gotten this far. Like the Mm. the dream to publish was always there, but that's rarely enough to get it done. Mm. Uh, So I had to learn when to push through with my writing, when to let go, when to walk away, when I needed to adapt and learn new things. Mm. So definitely resilience and adaptability that just kept me going and helped me find the right people who could help me continue with this process like i couldn't have done it without the people but it it was still that resilience that that bravery that pushed me that far and it's scary to i mean work on this baby for such a long time and then finally kind of give it to somebody else and say okay take it apart here's your wooden stake i'll just land my coffin here you know and and i mean it's difficult at times and and we talk about in previous episodes we've talked about kind of taking the sting away from that and what you can do to keep it kind of a business relationship but is there anything that you do in those times that are like oh man i got so much to edit or they don't like this to remind yourself of why you love what you're doing not really. I just love the process overall. Like, uh, e- even when my editor can give me some feedback that I'm not very happy with, and like I have to do some major changes to something I really don't want to do, I I find a compromise that works for both of us. So there's a lot of negotiation going on. But, but again, with the adaptation, like you said, the resilience and adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, a diplomatic that's great. solution. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of what it is, right? It's negotiation and, and collaboration, like you said, and that's what helps to really hone it. And yes, you write yes. a, about a lot of retellings, um, which I think is amazing. Scandinavian, I guess I should say, not a lot of them, but Scandinavian folk tales, right? Um, how do you keep your tales rooted in that folklore, but still have kind of a fresh take because it is difficult to i mean we how many cinderella stories have read how many i mean there's a lot of redos of things not that i mean that's cinderella stories it was just an example but is there anything that you do that that helps to keep that balance between giving them something fresh but also kind of staying true to that folktale so my book doesn't actually have any root in any retellings but it does have uh, the basis of a lot of creatures from popular uh, Scandinavian stories. Ah, okay. So what I did, I scrapped everything I knew of the stories themselves and started exploring how they're used today. 
like the, the source material is good enough in itself and some of it is pretty dang creepy but <laughs> there are also another versions that just inspired me to take it a little further uh mm. so while i wanted the story uh, a story setting inspired by treasure planet i wanted also that more local folklore creatures because i love myself a good stuck in the forest with creatures hunting you mm. but, but i wanted <laughs> I wanted the creatures to be less of the monsters that we know and more of something you can maybe relate to or f be fascinating with, even as they're trying to kill you. Mm. So, I mean, you mentioned a tale that I don't think I've heard before. So follow-up question. Are there any Scandinavian folktales slash characters that we should be reading about that we should know about that interest you? I'm actually uh, a fan of um, uh, a character called the uh, Ashlad. Is sort of like the Norwegian Cinderella. Mm. Uh, he's a clever, cheeky round of the family who's an underachiever, but he succeeds where other f others fail. And uh, he goes on a lot of quests. He always outdoes his brothers and manages to like save the day, even though him himself isn't much of a hero. He's just a, a poor boy in a cabin who like tends to the fireplace, apparently. In oh. some versions. There, there are many different versions. Uh, in one story, he... Um, yeah. Oh, what is it called? Uh, Norwegian to English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he fights against the troll by having an eating competition with it. Oh, wow, that is fascinating. And grisly. <laughs> Sounds like a folktale. Yeah, like mo most of the folktales say... Yeah, most of the Norwegian folktales, they are very children-friendly. And I didn't want them to be children-friendly in my book. So I drew more inspiration of how the movie industry in Norway had done it. Like, mm. um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Troll Hunter, where there's this found footage style uh, park ranger who is managing the, the hidden troll population. Uh, but there's also another one where the Hulder, the, the pretty women with tails, with cow tails that seduces men in the forest. In another version of that, I saw was a cleanup crew who went to this cabin far out in the woods and they discover Hulder, the beautiful woman. But the Hulder clan who lived nearby were absolutely hideous. They were like science type of alien hideous. Wow. And, and I, I thought that was so cool. I, I want to use that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can see the passion that you have for the genre that you picked. You can see the excitement in it, which is, it proves that you're in the right, in the right uh, industry, in the right job. So that's awesome. And I'm going to have to look those up because I, I love a good folktale. And I do also like a good, you know, trapped in the woods adventure story slash maybe slightly thriller so I'm I, re I recommend the ritual at the highest the ritual the ritual okay. yes okay. also based on the book <laughs> mm, i do love things that are based on a book obviously from where we're at right now um so i mean we have to pull to a close pretty soon here but i but i wanted to ask also something that we do bring up Pretty frequently on the show because a lot of people ask from the audience and that's what top piece of advice would you give to writers who are beginning their journey toward publication and use a little boost i guess uh well it really depends on where the people are in their process and uh, they're, they're all so good it's very hard to pick one but 
write what you love and what you want to read because the market is never going to be perfect either way and it's easier to sell something you're passionate about rather than something that you were forced to write to adhere to the market mm. and who ne- wants never to stop go learning that? <laughs> I never stop learning that's a good thing to add no true yeah true that's never part of why learning. i started the show because you i mean writing is there's no necessarily right answer for everyone and so you have to constantly be learning and and finding new things and inspiration and and so uh, it, it is important and i'm and that's a good plaque quote for us write what you love and never stop learning we always have a good plaque quote there it is it's nice I'll do i love it Lillian, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, just before we wrap up, I want to ask two questions. First, what are you reading right now? This would suggest that we read. Secondly, where can we become more a part of your community and follow your future exciting events? Okay, so what I'm reading right now, uh, I'm in between books, uh, reading The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri and The Other Being King of Scars by Lee Bardugo. Both good. Both, both, both are very good, but I, I, can't, <laughs> pick, I can't just pick one. And uh, what was the other one? Where you can find um, me? Yes, how can we follow you, become more part of your community? I am mostly on Instagram. So, right. uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Instagram is where I'm at. Sometimes Twitter, too, <laughs> if, if my mental health uh, allows it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll put links to that in the show notes so that the uh, audience can follow you and follow your journey. But I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and talk to us. And and it's exciting to see where you're going and what's coming up. And I know you have a lot, a lot more to offer the uh, writing world. So we'll be we'll be watching with anticipation for your new works and and wish you the best of luck in that. Yes, I do have another book coming out in 2024, which is the follow up to this one. So that's oh, exciting. Do we have a title name for it? Yes, it's called Journey of the Lost and Damned. I'm not quite Ooh. sure if that's the official title, but it's what we have now. The title for now. Complaints. I haven't com- I haven't heard any complaints. <laughs> okay, we could keep our eye out for a similar title. We'll, we'll follow awesome. you eagerly for that in 2024 and it's, it comes quicker than you think, too. The, Absolutely. The dates always <laughs> they always press they press in faster than you predict. Um you stick around here with me for a minute, but for all of our our listeners and and word wizards out there, just want to remind you that there's a lot of good resources out there, especially even in this episode. And make sure to check out those show notes and keep keep up the hope, keep up the faith, keep writing and, and write on. Can you see ways to improve your writing process already? Thanks for joining us on this excellent episode of Am I Right? For more information about the podcast, guests, or upcoming episodes, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Right on, Word Wizards!